What's good? What's happening, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Producers Podcast. My name is John Simmer. I'm the producer for Schlereth and Evans and Chad Nate in the morning. I'm joined by Ty Fuji, the producer of Sandy and Sean in Late Night. How's What's it going, up, man? It's going all right. It, it's going all right. Yeah. yeah. Still, still feeling the Broncos game. Yeah, the day of recording here is the um, the Tuesday after the Monday Night Affair in Week 1 in Seattle. Russell Wilson's return, and we'll talk a little bit about that um, today, but obviously this is the busiest season for us in terms of, you know, just as a station as a whole, but as producers as well. Um, I was in your position last football season, working the late night, working all the yep. post game and stuff like that. So um, if you just, I'll let you just kind of walk with it a little bit, go as much in detail or um, as quickly as you want, but kind of like what's the behind the scenes workings behind, you know, the transition of, because obviously we're airing just ESPN radio. We can't air the games yeah, when it's local here. Yeah, when it's local. And, um, but just what kind of goes on behind the scenes of when the game is on, transitioning into your show and that kind of stuff. Well, naturally, it's kind of gotten a little more chaotic as, uh, as, as, since uh, the last few years, ever since the Manning cast came into the picture. Because before, it was just, you could just set one of the computers to record the game right. and just let that go, get get it as it goes. But then, but now, the producers just pulled either which way. Mm-hmm. You you have to really pay attention to one or the other and, and the TV and the commercials and the clock and, you know, and the talent as well. Because mm-hmm. what we do is we air at the two-minute warning, right? Mm-hmm. We have to really pay attention to the log therein, too. So we, have, so we have to make sure all of our breaks fire in time, and we have to adjust when we... And we have to adjust our clock, basically when we take our breaks. Right. So, and so just to be... Just to jump in real quick. So this is... You say you take over at the two-minute warning, so this is you transitioning into your show. Yep. Sandy and Sean starts... Around the two-minute warning, right? Yeah, at, at least that's the way it should be, like, ideally. Mm-hmm. However, Sandy and Sean, they don't really like to go in if the game's still in doubt. Sure, particularly right, when you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. Don't know if overtime's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so we had to wait. It's just a matter of really just, it's really touch and go, mm-hmm. as, as well as really collaborating with the guy who's in before me. One of our weekend producers, you know, poor Colin, who's... <laughs> Who's just being pulled in four directions mm. by by the game, by the man cast, by the board, so and by the by the post game pressers. How many? Um, who was like quote unquote watching the board? Because the board was was in automation, right? Because we had ESPN going. Yeah, the board was largely in automation, but uh, yeah, Colin, Colin, one of our weekend producers was uh, was watching. Okay, so it was he basically was, just was you and Colin in, in here in studio. Uh, Colin for the first half. I came here. For the second half to help him out, mm-hmm. kind of help him out with the with the cut sheets for the highlights, um, and really kind of manipulating the log for uh, for Sandy and Sean. Gotcha. Really getting a feel for how they want to go. Right. So yeah. So for those who don't know, obviously, like I said, we can't like obviously air Broncos games because there's a flagship flagship station for that. But we're just in automation playing ESPN radio or whatever. Yep. And basically the board just runs itself. But at the same time, you obviously have to be – we have multiple TVs, obviously a lot of computers. So we're rolling on, you know, the highlights of the main game 
And then, of course, like the Manning cast or something like that. Yeah. Which is what you were uh, what you were alluding to. And the one thing that is, again, that you touched on a little bit that's a little nuanced with that, because I know this happened a lot with me last year, especially when like basketball and um, hockey season are yeah. going on as well. And like obviously Sandy and Sean do the do the post games for those uh, those two sports as well. Is like you said, there's like this nuanced method of like having to time out yeah like the because i mean a game can end at you know six or let's say like eight thirty-five. yeah right and that's typically when we're in like the middle of a break or just about to go to break yeah just about to go to break or in the middle of in orlando right so there's like and so sometimes too like certain commercials have to be played by a certain time yeah so that's when you were alluding to kind of the log of like needing to look at okay what spots do I need to prioritize do I need to build out like maybe an extra spot block which is like a you know a block of just commercials yeah, commercial break yeah um to be able to have us on the right track but not have like 15 minutes of commercials yeah 100% right? so we can like so that we're just not list like literally making you the listener just listening to listening to like 8 to 10 minutes of just straight commercials and like Maybe three minutes of content. Yeah, well, yeah, and and that's kind of the thing, and making sure that it airs on time, right. so the station doesn't, you know, lose money. Right. So that's just kind of a an interesting. That's like one of the first things you learn as like a board up slash producer, but it's one of the. I don't want to say it is. It is difficult at times. It's just kind of one of those. Again, a it's lot of our of, job is a lot of repetition. Yeah. Um, and just, just being exposed to certain situations. Um, but it's just so many little things like that, that our job is like, it's not necessarily difficult. It's just a lot of uh, little things yeah. that you really have to be on time with and, and or else can, you might screw like four things up. If you yeah. just miss one small, yeah. Yeah, it's just a little irritating thing. that it's just all these little things that pile up that take you out of routine, that right. out of your routine. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's um, how that is. And obviously you got to, you're doing all of this while trying to listen for like highlights, you know, right. cut highlights and stuff. Right, like and that. and during the show, when when Sandy and Sean come on, yeah. I I have to mind the lines, especially in a loss. I have to get our guests on Rachel last night, uh, Andrew Mason last night, mm-hmm. and and I have to listen for the Broncos posting right. and stuff to cut that up. Yep. So you're basically what you are, especially that late at night. Is your your producer, your board op, but you're also technically like a receptionist if you're yep. taking calls, and you have to screen calls too because you know there are some people there who just have like bad phone reception or are talking in Bluetooth in a car with their windows down. Yeah, you, know, you have to screen those. Yeah, sometimes of they have the radio up because they want to hear themselves. Exactly, on radio. so you'll get There's double audio. Yeah, so and then like you said, you're trying to get Mace on. You're trying to text Rachel. You're trying to. Text Jake, Will, any of those you know, guys, D-Mac. Cecil, yeah, DMAC, any of those guys to get on the air. So um, you're juggling like six or seven things in a row. And again, none of these things like isolated are quote unquote hard or difficult, but it's just all like, again, it's timing and you're doing all of these things at once. Very yeah, rarely 100%. are you just like, oh, I'm able to just like focus on phone calls. It's like, no, I'm focusing on phone calls while trying to cut a piece of audio that we need for air in 30 seconds, you yeah. know? So it's, and, 
and tr- and trying to cut a piece of, of audio that we need for the morning show for the next exactly, day. Exactly. Yeah. And and I have to watch the clock to make sure Sandy and Sean right. don't blow past their break. Exactly. Yeah. And it's I mean, and I'm dependent upon it as as a producer for the morning. You know, I get in around like four thirty, um, but I mean, I need that full hour and a half to like help produce my show for because we just use a lot of audio. We have a lot of um. Like, uh, they're called benchmarks, but essentially what they are are just, like, dedicated segments um, with some sort of theme. So, like, you know, for the morning show, we have, like, What's Trending, The Morning Brew, Four Down Territory, things like that. And so I'm very reliant on Mm -hmm. you guys at night to cut the audio and make sure it's all screened and whatnot. And, you know, if um, trying to think, like, maybe back in the day I wasn't working here, but, like, Akib Tlaib or... Maybe even Shelby Harris back when he was a Bronco, um, you know, were prone to like cussing, letting, yeah. you know, a few F, maybe not an F bomb, but, you know, dropping some, uh, some like four letter word. Yeah. yeah some that you would that have to like actually air. listen to the clip, make sure it's like that you catch it. If it is explicit, then you have to obviously like do the singing audition to make sure like the beeping noise comes on and then yep. labeling it correctly so the rest of the shows. No, hey, this cut is explicit, but also that you've gone ahead and done the proper measures to make sure that, you know, it's not going to be a four-letter word goes on air and we get in trouble. Right. So, so we don't um, get fined. Yeah. So it's a, it's a it's a ever-evolving, you know, rotation of all the producers are kind of relying on one another because we're all doing, like, when we're all on the board, we're all managing four or five, six things at once. And then, you know, once you're off the board— There's probably a good, you know, depending on the day, anywhere from 45 minutes on an average day to maybe like if you're super busy, an hour and a half, even though that's rare, of like post-production stuff. Yeah. Um, And then once you're done your show that morning, or like for me at least, when I'm done the show in the morning, I'm then looking towards gathering things to use for my show the next day. Yeah. And I'm reaching out to my guests that, you know, are on... um, are on the next morning, making sure all that is good. So again, it's it's these very small things, but as we've just touched on, you know, it feels like you know eight, nine, ten different things. It it, it can get lost kind of in the in the grass really um, really quickly. So I always like to uh, kind of start the show off there, and whoever I'm hosting with. And again, I'm John Simmer, the uh, producer for Schlereth and Evans and Chad Nate, along with Ty, the uh, producer of Sandy and Sean at Night. And um, I just always try to, you know, get the show started in whatever, you know, context to um, just kind of lend a little bit of uh, behind the scenes yeah. uh, stuff for the listeners. So, yeah, and um, I guess quickly then we'll just kind of segue. Actually, I want to ask you one thing. I like to ask um, everyone that co-hosts with me on every show. And you don't have to answer now. We can circle back to it at the very end before we sign off here. But um, if you had one, and I'll expanded to a movie i usually ask if you had one album for the rest of your life that you can listen to you can see you only get to choose one but for the rest of your life one album that you would pick to listen to that's all you have what would it be and why and i'll even expand that too if like maybe you don't listen to a lot of music a movie like i don't watch tv i don't watch movies i listen to music so maybe if you're the other way around um then uh i'm caught between two i have two in my head right now okay Keep hold on to them, yeah, and then we'll circle back to them uh, at the end. But yeah, of course, obviously, it's uh, 
it's Tuesday, the day of recording this at least, and um, the Broncos suffered a pretty tough loss in Seattle. And so, um, like you said, you you guys were the first ones to kind of like react to it. And were you taking calls? Yep, we were taking calls all night. What was kind of half the show? And I can imagine, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. What was the like the vibe of the majority of the callers? Um, It, It was just it was anger and frustration. Like. They they were mad about kicking the field goal at the end. So, so, it so was, a lot of them were saying deja vu. What, what we ran Van Gio out of town just to get this. Mm-hmm. Like what, why didn't you trust Russ, your quarter billion dollar man? Right. So the the anger and frustration was eighty percent, ninety percent. Yep, a hundred percent towards oh. Hackett. Yeah, a hundred percent toward Hackett. Like, wow. uh, uh, yeah, and actually at the beginning of the show, like that was all it was. It was just. Why kick the field goal? Sure. Why kick the field goal? Sure. Why kick the field goal? And then later in the show, when people started cooling down, we started getting some more uh, different analytical takes, like some more why, like the why nuanced was, answers. Yeah, why wasn't why wasn't uh, Pookie more involved? Um, you know, a guy from Seattle actually called saying, you know, preaching patience. Mm-hmm. It's like interesting. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll take time for this coaching staff to gel. It'll take time for this team to round into form. And was he a Bronco fan that happened to be living in Seattle? Um. He didn't say. I, I, I'm pretty sure the way he was talking, I'm pretty sure he was a, a Seahawks fan. So when he was preaching, that's because that's interesting. I want to yeah. go down that road a little bit here. Um, did he was he comparing it to like with Russell in and of itself? Like, was he saying like this is kind of what Seattle went through, or was he just kind of trying yeah. to, I, I, for whatever reason, a Seattle Seahawks fan just trying to be like be civil, comforting? Yeah, yeah. I, I. I don't know because he he mentioned the years leading into uh, before they got Russ, like, okay, like developing uh, Pete Carroll, you know, there or, and uh, struggling through the sure. first early developing years. a culture that yeah, kind of thing. developing a culture, and then when they got got Russ, then they he started succeeding as they went along. Sure, yeah, and that was I mean again, and I'm sure you've heard it plenty on these airways, but again. Russ wasn't a first round pick. He wasn't even a second round pick. He's a khaki pants quarterback. Yeah, third third round pick out of Wisconsin, and he even he beat Matt Flynn out in training camp, and which is unheard of even back then. Um, especially nowadays, you you probably wouldn't hear of that. But then, just again, the the foresight from Pete Carroll cuz I believe Matt Flynn had just been signed as a free agent that offseason for a pretty decent amount of money. Yeah, massive contract. Or they had just extended him. I can't remember which which one no, it was. I, I'm but... pretty sure he he signed to a massive massive deal after uh the year he filled in for Rodgers. Okay, yeah. from Green Bay. So to to have that kind of foresight from Pete Carroll definitely deserves um its fair share of praise, but I kind of also want to start diving into the idea of Nathaniel Hackett because like you said I mean the the idea or the the process the thought process to kick the field goal um it's just simply it's puzzling to be honest um you don't you know and you'll you've by now you've heard it a million times but you know the idea of thinking that the odds of trying a 64 yard field goal are better than putting the ball in the hands of the guy who you just traded for, who you just extended a contract for. You yeah. It's not like you needed 15 yards. It's not like you needed 12 yards. You needed yeah. six yards. Yeah. You needed six yards uh, to get five, the first actually. round. Yeah, matter of fact, the win probability 
when uh, Hackett decided to kick the field goal, dropped 13% than if they decided to to go for it on fourth and five. Yeah. Because five yards is just plain easier to get than 64 yards. Oh, yeah. And the I second mean, longest field goal again, ever. Again, the, the stat you'll hear all week is that would have been, that would have tied the second longest field goal in NFL history. Yeah. And, and it's puzzling that they went for it since they're so into analytics. So, I'll, I'll, two-part question. I'll ask this part first. Your, so we'll re, I just want you to reestablish first. What was your confidence level on Hackett, this offense, and the staff? And what is it now, after just one game, seeing them in Seattle? Well, I was cautiously optimistic. I was very optimistic. I, they were saying all the right things. Sure. They, they showed some encouraging signs in in a training camp and in the preseason, barring Buffalo. But, uh, you know, the product of being Sandy and Sean's producer is they like to temper expectations. They're very right. even-keeled. They're very rational. And so, so they were very much preaching, yeah, guys, it, he's – Everything's new. Right. Tem- everything tem- is awesome. Everything's new. Everything's everything awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's not going to be okay from the get-go. We're not going to be world beaters from the get-go. Right. So that kind of helped temper my, temper my expectations. So I'm about right, but I do want to see – but I'm in the position where I want to see more. Mm-hmm. I, I think – personally, I do think it's good that some of the air was let out of the balloon early. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm – honestly, at my – I'm about the same, but a little lower. Okay, so you don't need to be talked off the ledge like yeah, probably no. about ninety percent of Broncos country right now. Yeah, you're not, still, not right you're now. You're not like, you're not willing to go either way, but like, the context my, my, in which the that you said the air was let out of the balloon, yeah, isn't the greatest. Con- it's probably the worst kind of context you can have in which yeah something like that was going to happen. Yeah, like it, like if you take a rational uh, point of view from it, like yeah. It's probably going to take a bit of time for all these first timers sure. to to really gel, right? I think, and I think that's the context that a lot of people are missing. And I think what really did Nathaniel Hackett in was the comments of, "Oh, I'm not nervous. You know, yeah. I've, this isn't my first game," which is just well, yes, literally is. false. Yeah, yeah. It, it is your first game. Now it's not your first game in the NFL as a coach, but as a head coach, it's so different. Yeah, you know, it's about. I don't so and there was a conversation and this might be for another episode but you know was did he say that because Russ said it you know D-Mac yeah. asked Russ um late in training camp like was he nervous for the return to Seattle and he quickly dismissed it and said I don't get nervous it's like and then didn't Nathaniel Hackett answer the way he did because Russ answered the way he did yeah did, did he have to show bravado because he, they thought that Made sure. him look strong, and, look confident, put confident. And if that's the, the case, that's that's really bad for a couple yeah. more reasons than one. Um, but you know, I don't know if we'll ever get that answer. We wouldn't. I can almost guarantee we'll never get that answer directly. We might get it like if we, Way down you the know, line. yeah, after you know, twelve, thirteen games, if we kind of connect the pieces and be like. Wow, Nathaniel Hackett has been in way over his head ten of these thirteen games. Yeah, this is bad. Yeah, and, that, and that's part, of, and that's a whole new narrative that's gonna be a part of the sure. season. Like seeing the development of Coach Hackett, seeing the development again, of this coaching staff. And to your point, though, as well as I think, I think patience in Broncos country might not want to hear this, especially after dealing with six years of what we just dealt with. Yep. But patience is probably gonna be the main 
part of this entire thing because, again, you have a brand-new quarterback, head coach, offense coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams. Right. Literally the entirety of the Broncos' main core pieces in terms of coaching staff and the most important position on the team is new. And everything, and most everything above him, and barring the GM, sure, yeah. everything George Payton's around only the organization. Been here for a year, new owner, so everything is so the new. The Broncos in their entirety are a new organization. This is a completely new era. And honestly, patience will be the greatest virtue of Broncos country because the thing is, it's not doom and gloom. There is reason to have optimism because sure. we do have that piece. We have a Hall of a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, even now that we're talking it out a little bit, I don't even think patience is the issue in terms of waiting for things to click. It's going to be, are we willing to be patient if we consistently see the same kind of tendencies? That is the same reason why Vance Joseph and Vic Fangio were ran out of town. Right. And last night was a glaring example of why we didn't like Vic Fangio or Vance Joseph. It was... Yeah. It was just constant, undisciplined football with the amount of penalties. It was like 12, but, I mean, what, they had, like, I think three more, four more declined, which is, yeah. that is, that's so many penalties. You can say, again, you can say the continuity isn't there. It's in Seattle. I understand that. But, again, if we're if we're going to be fair, we need to, all these coaches, you know, the same levels that we graded, Vance and Fangio, it's yeah. going to be the same for Hackett. Just because Hackett is nice and he loves people and he, he's good at talking and he gives people hugs, you know, doesn't mean that I'm going to judge him on, a, you know, a great like a greater or lesser scale than I did Fangio or Vic. It's just, yeah. or I'm it, sorry, Fangio or uh, Vance Joseph. So that's I think that's the biggest thing is, like, how patient is Broncos country going to be willing to be if we continue to see the same kind of mistakes that lose us football games as we have the last six seasons. I think that's the big question. Yeah, and, and, and that's a good point. Like, the NFL is the, the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, as sure. Stoke likes to say. Um, yeah, I, I, like, it's going to be a process. It's going to be, like, but they cannot repeat anything from last night. They have to play more discipline. Like, someone's going to have to be the bad cop in that locker room. Like, sure. it ha- like, it can't just be Stukes. Well, and I would hope it's Russ, to yeah, be honest. And absolutely. one thing that was also concerning, and whenever we've talked or whenever I've been on a podcast, whether it be with Kevin, Kamaj, you, um, is when we when the, the, the topic of culture comes up, it's we don't really have that, like, vocal leader. You know, like Peyton... The reason whenever you hear anyone talk about that 2015 team outside of the defense, it was because of Peyton's leadership, Mm -hmm. right? Like he was obviously physically like his physical attributes were clearly basically gone. Yep. But it was his leadership and his ability to command the locker room and obviously his smarts on the football field. But it was really that veteran leadership he had that kept everything kind of together and not unraveling which easily could have happened throughout the season. Yeah. And you would expect Russ to be that guy. And I would say both Russ and Nathaniel Hackett, I think most people would agree. Russ played pretty well last night. Yeah. You can you can nitpick some things, but again, I think again, we need to see more. But overall, I think Russ played really well last yeah, night, like, all like, things there considered. Are, there are opportunities to go ahead. Like he there almost, was two. Yeah, well <laughs> yeah, the two fumbles, I mean that's yeah. 
That's the, inexcusable. But, the worst case scenario. But again, if we were to just kind of look at you know the game as a whole, why is Russ not going to Nathaniel Hackett and being like, "No, we got this." Like, why is not why is Russ not taking control of that situation? And right. if there's and we can only really speculate unless we hear you know later in the week um, between now that this podcast is being recorded and when it's aired that you know there was some sort of like hack it overruled or something like that, you know. Yeah. But then you know if, he's, if, he's overthinking. He's like, getting a little too clever. Right, and it, like why if Russell didn't do that, that's concerning. If Russell didn't take advantage, because again he wants to be the greatest of all time. Yeah. You know, he's he says all these things. So why is Russ not taking command of the situation? And if you're hacking, you said, well, Russ did do that, but I thought it'd be better to go with McManus. Then we're kind of circling back to the main topic in which we started with, which is what makes you think that a 64-yard field goal is a better option than putting it, again, you gave up all this all these assets, you've given all this money for this guy, Russ left Seattle for Denver for the very reason that we just lost the game, which yeah. is not trusting. So it's it's interesting to me. Um, and again, it's it's just one of those things where... <laughs> If you're Nathaniel Hackett, you're not starting off well because of all the context of Broncos country, right. of what we've been through the last six years. It just kind of is like, I've seen this play before way yep. too many times. I've seen the clock bleed like that before. I've yep. seen it's, timeouts like that before. I've seen, I've seen that head-scratching decisions at the end of the game like that before. Yeah, it's and it, again, it's, it, it's another one of those situations where it's like, I'm okay if we would have, like, obviously if we would have lost, it sucks. But, like, if you go for it on fourth down and yeah. you don't get it, that sucks, but then we're not talking about this. We're talking about more about like execution yeah, and lack of you know discipline and penalties and stuff like that. Which is still in a diamond on the coaching correctable. staff. That's correctable. Yeah, but that's correctable. Um, and at least Hackett showed that he's willing to go with Russ, and you have that sense of um, not satisfaction, but comfort that you know yeah. Hackett is going to make the quote unquote right decision. When things do get tough and that and yeah, that kind of stuff. he does have some good games. And he didn't in the do NFL. that. He failed that test. Yeah. And potentially, from what I could tell, Russ failed that test as well mm-hmm. by not saying, like, we're going to do this or even Russ, like, taking the time out. You know, yeah. and I was watching again because obviously it's been all over ESPN and stuff. And I just peeked at the TV. And even came to my mind, I didn't think about it last night, but. Um, this morning after I kind of slept on it and stuff, it's like, why didn't you, we didn't even try to draw him offside. And I don't yeah. know if you could, maybe you more, more or less you actually risk a false start in that scenario, given like yeah. being in Seattle and you can't hear anything. The offensive line has already been pretty shaky and things like that. So maybe that's why, but you didn't even try to like, you didn't even give us a reason of like why you just burn the clock. You just burn yeah. the clock, yeah, you just- know? And even in that case, I don't know. If, if that was the whole, like, strategy, then I think you should burn more clock. But um, I don't know. Again, with with you, I'm – I was pretty optimistic heading in. Um, I thought that it was going to be – I didn't think Russ was going to look as good as he did, but I thought the Broncos were going to win and look better as a team. Yeah. I thought the defense was going to carry a little more. I thought we might have gotten, like – a touchdown because of a special teams like good return or a defensive touchdown. Yeah, the opposite happened. Yeah, no. except the defense did play pretty decent in the second half. Yeah, they, I they thought, adjusted. I thought Randy Gregory 
I mean, obviously he's coming off injury. He made one big play, but he only played, I think, like 50% or less than yeah. the snaps. But for it's promising to see, okay, when we needed a big play, he made one. Bradley Chubb, I'm going to need to see more than one quarter from you to step up. Yeah, But absolutely. at least the quarter that he did step up in was the most important quarter in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. So there's that. There's plenty to hang your hat on. Jerry Judy looked better. You know, he, yeah. he still that inconsistency is there, but and then obviously Cortland Sutton looked like he was uh, kind of Russell's like security blanket. Yeah, um, a little bit. So uh, throw, throw a lot of jump balls up to Sutton. I just hope that my biggest question is, and we'll, we'll learn in the next coming days and as the season progresses. But I really want to see Nathaniel Hackett just stay steady. And own up when he's wrong and just like not be like, again, that comment last week just seems so out of like not in his nature. Yeah. It seems so out of left field. It was like arrogant, not even like yeah, it was, confident. It was, co- it was cocky. Um, it was just like. Which isn't yeah. his MO. It just went no. against everything that it seemed he was. And um, he just looked lost um, at the end of that game. So, you know, it's. It, Again, is Broncos country, we're scarred. And so you hope to see better improvement. I would hope that Nathaniel Hackett comes out and just owns it. You yeah. know? Yeah. And just address the situation and move on. Yeah. Instead of, like, kind of dancing around it and acting like it's this big boogeyman, this big elephant in the room. Um, because that's ultimately what would, like, kill VJ and Fangio. Yep. Um, yeah, they like, we, they we just went in and addressed that they screwed up and moved on. Uh to VJ's credit, he did a little bit. He was just kind of like in over his head. Yeah. Um, his situation's a little unique um, because he wasn't as empowered. I remember that was like the the hot word or whatever during VJ's time. But um, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Hopefully, mm-hmm. I just hope that the Broncos just kind of take it on the chin and move on. And hopefully, we're looking at this when you know we're a ten or eleven win team at the end of the year and be like, wow, that that Seahawks game. It was ugly at the time, but you know what? They they learned quickly from it. Yeah. So it, it was a learning experience. I hope that's uh and I'm I know Broncos country probably shares uh about the same sentiment. So that's actually coming up towards the the end of the episode. That was a quick one. Real quick though, before we uh sign off, your uh your top album that you would have. If you have one album for the rest of your life that you can listen to, what would it be and why? A night at the opera by Queen. Because okay. they have some of their greatest greatest songs ever on that album. They have the Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. obviously. They have Killer Queen. They have You're My Best Friend. It's got so many great ones. I've actually never, I listen to quite a bit of music. I've never listened to a Queen album. Obviously, really? I've listened to like their singles, but I've never listened to like an album just start to finish with Queen. So I think, uh, I think I'll have to change that. But my answer typically is Toxicity by System of a Down. Um, but since that's always my answer, I'll give another one. Is I would probably like 10,000 Days by Tool would be another one. Um, it's kind of like Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park is up there. That was like a childhood like album that I loved. But yeah, man, let's uh, go ahead and wrap this episode up. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Producers Podcast. Once again, my name is John Simmer. I am the producer of Schlereth and Evans and Chad Nay in the Morning, joined 
by Ty Fuji, the producer for The Late Night Show, here on The Fan with Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. We'll catch you in the next episode of The Producers Podcast.